welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Welcome back to the show. How how is it going in your neck of the woods today? Um, I mean today is is a little rough. The market closed about fifteen minutes ago, and it closed four mm-hmm. percent uh, down. So that's uh, with the Dow a thousand points down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uncomfortable. Never a fun thing, but uh, we expect to see it. Uh, mm-hmm. The market's been up and down pretty much every day for the last, oh God, I don't even know how long. Um, so it's things than it would have, you know, a year ago mm-hmm. when that was not the But other than that, I'm good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's good. That's good. I, uh, yeah, it seems to be kind of the, so lately these days, I've been asking people not how they're doing, but just how are things in their neck of the woods? Because it seems to be a nice, uh, an easier way to ask that question. Because I realized that when I started asking people, like, how are you? That just sometimes has led down a very deep and depressing conversation. So, uh, so that's good. Um, so for, so before we jump into this, uh, before listeners who are interested, I did e- uh, uh, interview Bailey. Uh, when I first started the show, so we're going to bypass a lot of the early stuff. So if you look at uh, episode seven of the podcast, which will be on the website or even on iTunes, that's where you can get all of the details of Bailey's story of how she went from Emerson, which is actually why this conversation originally started, to what she's doing now uh, with financial advising. And in full disclosure, Bailey is my financial advisor. Um, so I usually email her anyway when things, bizarre things start happening. And so this time around was no exception to that. So Bailey, what I would like to get into is, um, so yeah, so again, kind of what you just started chatting with about the markets. As as somebody who's, whose job it is to look at the markets, what are you thinking? What are you feeling right now? as you stare at them over the last month and, and the day to day? Well, it started definitely as abject terror. Um, when the market first started going haywire, it, it was, I just kept describing it as bipolar. There mm-hmm. was no sense to what it was, what it was doing. It would be down 7% and then up five percent and then down 15 but it was there was no sense to it which was really a bit of a struggle when something is that unpredictable um you can't predict it you know definitions um (laughs) so oddly enough i'm actually more comfortable with the market right now than i was at the beginning because i get it i understand more or less What's happening? Um, what's Which is happening? What? Is having a healthcare crisis. 
Okay. That's really the bottom line. We're not having a financial crisis. Um, and that, if people take nothing away from this, but that, that's the biggest thing. This is not a financial crisis yet. Mm -hmm. um, it is a healthcare crisis. And even if it becomes a financial crisis, it's a symptom of the healthcare crisis, not the cause. So when we're looking at, at the markets and how nuts they are, um, if it's a financial crisis, then we would be looking at really prolonged downturns in the market. There's these, um, my favorite thing to talk about right now. Um, there are three different downturn market curves. So there's the L curve, which my brother pointed out is no curve at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a fun dinner conversation. Yep. <laughs> uh, where basically that's the, the Great Depression is, is the best way to look at that, where the market takes a steep dive and stays there for a really long time. And it takes something huge, like a world war, to pop it out of a depression. So this isn't that. There are no runs on the banks. Uh, there's actually been a lot of liquidity put in there. It's the markets that are kinda going crazy. Um, so the next thing is a U-curve. So that's where the market goes down, stays at that bottom for a while, and then slowly recovers over time. So that's 2008. Uh, it was a financial crisis. We saw everything go down. It mm -hmm. stayed there for a while because we had to fix what was going on. And then it took a while to come back because there were very specific markets that actually needed value to go back into them. Mm. I'm making these hand gestures like you can see me. <laughs> Uh, They're very good hand gestures, I'm imagining. I do it all the time. Um, what we have right now, people are saying, is an event-based downturn. So it's more like a 9-11. Um, something unforeseen uh, that causes the market to go down, but at least in the short term, the economy, the market, hasn't actually lost value. It's just lost perceived value. Mm -hmm. So once the healthcare crisis is cleared up, the uh, financial markets should follow very closely. So that's what I mean when I say it's not a financial crisis necessarily. It's a healthcare crisis. Okay. Now, there is a new level to that because the the added piece is we have to fix the healthcare crisis mm -hmm. because if that goes on too long, then we do get into a financial crisis mm -hmm. because of unemployment would be the top reason. And not just because people aren't working. If we're talking about the market, which was your initial question, regardless of what I'm talking about, <laughs> um, we're talking about the stock market, the longer people are unemployed, the more likely it is they're going to start pulling money out of their investments. As they pull money out of their investments, the actual values of the stocks in the market go down. Mm -hmm. 
And then that becomes more of a financial crisis, which pushes more into a U curve. And so looking at it, that's really my biggest concern is when, how the healthcare piece is managed so that people can get back to earning Mm -hmm. in some way because that's going to signal the recovery. And people are saying they think it's going to be a really, well, really quick in terms of like market speech. Mm-hmm. So um, like quicker than 2008, where it took like a decade to recover. Yeah. Uh, you might see a full recovery in like two or three years, which is, okay. is really quick when we're looking at the fact that some people are down 25, 30% in their accounts. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where we're looking at here. But I'll tell you, I'm on like three different uh, webinars and podcasts every week. Uh, some of them multiple times a week, listening to uh, the, the different money managers and uh, big banking institutions to see what they have, have to say. Because I'm looking at it from personal finance mm-hmm. and they're really looking at high finance and their market makers. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to push the market in the directions they feel are going to benefit people. Mm-hmm. And so how is that? So when you're on these calls and listening to this, how are, how are they looking at the current situation? And, and is that similar or different to how you look at the situation as a personal finance manager? So we look at it. The market itself in the same way. Um, what then I take from it, and that's the added part that they put uh, put into a lot of their calls when I listen to the money managers, mm-hmm. is how they're rebalancing portfolios. And that's really huge for people, for the individuals who are thinking about what they're going to do with their own investments. You know, because you sit there and you go, oh, the market's down. Should I pull it out? Mm-hmm. pull my money out? Should I keep it in? Should I put more in? And I'm listening to the money managers and I want they're doing within their portfolios, how they are thinking about if they want more stocks, more bonds, what kind of stuff, what kind of bonds, because that does trickle down to the investors. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is that Um, Because everything is out of balance, because the stocks have gone down significantly and the interest rates on the bonds are going down now, but they're higher than than they were, essentially all of the portfolio balances are out of whack. So if you had an 80-20 portfolio, you might now have like a 70-30 portfolio. Mm. So to rebalance, they have to sell some bonds and buy some stocks which is a great thing because they're selling high on the bonds and buying low on the stocks. And they're focusing, um, at least with some of the companies that um, I've been working with, on some international international ETFs and some tech ETFs Mm -hmm. because there's always someone making money. There's always someone making money, regardless of the market. There's always someone making money. Right. Um, Zoom, for example, I feel like they're doing okay. Yeah. Um, Amazon, probably doing fine. There are a lot of Netflix, 
they're doing okay too, Hulu. So they're getting into these tech stocks. So when I'm talking to individual clients, there are a couple of ways to go with people who say, oh, first, you know, there are people say, oh, I want to sell. <laughs> and then we have to talk about emotional investing, which is a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but really, you don't want to sell when things are down because then you lock in the losses. Right. It's the basic, basic idea of why you sell when things are down. Um, holding the course, if you can, perfect. Oh, I hate using that word now. Oh, I feel dirty. Um, <laughs> magnificent. How about that? Have we used magnificent yet? No, wait, I, I um, think that, that's still good. I think you can say magnificent. Okay, so it's or, magnificent. Or awesome. Awesome. I like awesome. So it's awesome to just hold the course. Yeah. Uh, because that, that's what investments are for. The thing, and this could be its own talk also. I could talk for hours about this. If you started a financial plan or strategy that was good at the beginning, mm -hmm. it should be good now. And it should be good 10 years from now. Now, if there are major life changes, sure, that could have an adjustment. But what I have clients in saying is we took a risk tolerance questionnaire five years ago. We knew what you would be okay with. And we knew that you didn't want to use this money for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So to some extent, who cares? It doesn't affect you right now. I know it hurts. I, I know it's painful and I'm here and I'll hold your hand, mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually affect anything that happens. It's only when the planning outside of that isn't good, when there's a problem, if you don't have a safety net of savings. Mm -hmm. um, for people who wanna buy into the market, this is where it gets fun. And I've been having this conversation with thankfully a lot of clients. Uh, and I say thankfully, because that means we did good planning and they have a lot of money outside of the market to use. And they have the liquidity and they're not worried about income drying up. Right. I mean, who out there wouldn't feel better with six months worth of income in your savings account. Like that's, that's kind of the dream right now. Mm -hmm. If you don't, I mean, ideally even more, but it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. Ah, beautiful. That's also, he's stealing all my words. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll have to give you a, a, I'll buy you a thesaurus, a thesaurus after this. So we can kind of, yeah, yeah. it does seem that way. Yeah. I'm going to stop watching press conferences. <laughs> Um, so buying in right now is, is an interesting task because I think it can sit outside of a normal risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. So there are some clients where we're looking at, at what's going on and they're saying, I just want to do this as part of the long-term plan. We always knew we'd be contributing. So now's a great time. Yeah. So we're setting it up to do weekly contributions instead of maybe stretching it out and doing monthly contributions, lowering the amount per week because things are changing every single week. So we want to take uh, advantage of dollar cost averaging on a shorter time span. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be going into a normal, um, their regular portfolio, whatever they had. Okay. Um, um, so the, the next one is for people who are feeling a little bit spicy 
and say, all right, so what we could do is say, you are in an 80-20 portfolio, and you're realizing that this isn't scaring you at all. You're actually kind of into the ride. You're digging the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. We could now put you into a 90-10, because you'd be buying into the investments, the stocks, lower, mm -hmm. um, and take advantage of where the bond prices are. Basically, you'd be rebalancing yourself and doing exactly what the money managers are doing, uh, which is why we listen to them. We want to know what they're saying. Right. And then there's a third category of the people who say, I really just, I want to take advantage of this, but I don't want it to have any impact on my financial plan. And to them, I say, great, let's start an outside brokerage account and you can choose a bunch of stocks or maybe just go to an S&P 500 index and let that do what it's going to do, but it doesn't impact anything else. Mm -hmm. So I see those as really three options for continuing to invest in the low market, but you have to know what you're comfortable with. Right. So the, so, so let's actually let's let's start with this in the beginning and say that while you are a financial advisor, I am not, and none of this we're talking about is actual financial advice. If you need financial advice, contact Bailey, and she'll give you her information after this. So that's my quick caveat. Um, so okay, so people who let's say are new to this and they're interested in in defining their risk tolerance, is there how do you help them go through that? Um, great question. And yes, none of this is uh, financial advice. These are merely discussion points and yeah. uh, disclosure, disclosure, disclosure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the way I do it um, is, is rather involved, mm -hmm. although I'm betting even the people who invest with me don't even know how involved it is. Um, so there's the risk tolerance questionnaire, uh, the RTQ, as we like to call it, uh, which is a series of usually like 10 to 12 questions that are worded in a ridiculous way mm -hmm. that ask you how you would feel if your portfolio went up or down a certain percentage, how long you're going to keep the money in this account. A lot of things that just make you think about the reality of investing. Um, this is a really great guide and a really great starting place because from there you'll come out into a certain category. So maybe it's uh, moderately aggressive, maybe it's balanced, maybe it's defensive. From there, it's about talking to the clients, talking about what they're really going to do with the money and also taking a look at specific portfolios. Um, cause sometimes people say, oh, I'm not going to use that money. And then in conversation, they say, I'm thinking of buying a house in five years. Mm. And you say, well, are you going to use this money? And they say, oh yeah, totally going to use some of this money. And say, well, then this isn't money that's going to be in there for 20 years. So this changes how we want to invest it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get through everything and we end up with the exact same risk uh, risk tolerance that came out through the questionnaire, but in discussion, 
it comes out that people want only socially conscious investing. So now we're going to different companies or we're looking at different characteristics. So risk, risk tolerance is one piece and then investment preference is an entirely different piece. So I think that those all go hand in hand when looking at a portfolio. It's become a lot more complex than it used to be. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing that there's much else that it's just, it's so much conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually my favorite thing is to have a couple fill out a risk tolerance questionnaire in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, and they always apologize because they get into really deep discussions. Um, but that's really how I learn the most is what they think of, oh, I'd be comfortable with this loss. You'd be what? <laughs> no, no, that's no, that's not okay at all. Yeah. And as a result, sometimes we end up with uh, each person in the couple with a different investment account with a different risk profile. Very interesting. So with, with uh, so let's say people who are, who are new to investing is, and let's say they haven't, you know, gone through this process before or set up an investment account is now with the, the market volatility hitting on a daily basis is now a good time to, to defining your risk tolerance and, and maybe looking into that, or is it better to wait until things shake out? I would say it depends, which is a very helpful answer. Right. Um, the first thing it depends on is how much liquidity you have outside of the money you're going to be investing. Right now, I would say no one should put any money into the market that uh, they wouldn't be okay seeing it drop by 40% the next day. If, if that's going to take you to a place where you need to pull your money out, mm -hmm. then right now is probably not the time to start investing. This is like jumping into the deep end. Hmm. Some people are good with that. Some, some people just are like, yeah, this is what the market is and I'm, I'm gonna ride that. Mm -hmm. um, some people, not so much. Some people might just wanna go in buy a basic uh, mutual fund or ETF and say, I'm going to buy it now because I, I know that the market is down and I know that historically the market has always recovered. So I'm going to get this and I'm going to put a reminder in my calendar for a year from now and I will check on what it, does, what it did at that point and I'm not looking at it until then. Mm. So it depends on how, how you want to interact with your money mm. and also why you're investing. The, it's a big piece of it. Uh, are you investing for fun? Or are you investing for the long term? Are you investing because you really like this company? I have one client um, who, not recently, uh, but owns one individual stock. The rest of what we're doing is in uh, large managed portfolios. He owns one individual stock because it's a company that he feels really strongly about. He did the research. He knows exactly what's going on and it means something to him. Mm -hmm. So 
that's why he has the stock. It could go up, it could go down. It's really, that's only part of it. Okay. So I'd say that that might play a part for some people right now is, are you going to support a company or are you going to say, Hey, Amazon's looking pretty sweet. I mean, who knows if they could burn and crash, but mm -hmm. crash and burn. That's how that goes. <laughs> Although they could also, also burn and crash, you know, their, their warehouses could catch on fire, which would cause the burn and then the crash. So it's, I think it, with them, it works both ways. You know, my cousin actually has one of those warehouses. I think that maybe I can't endorse them too much. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but, but yeah. Okay. So that's, let's get a thing about that one. Um, so let's, let's back up one second then because you know, there, there may be multiple types of individuals listening to this podcast and I want to hit a couple of different areas. So let's, let's start with the individuals right now who um, have lost their position in one way or another, which now is a big, big sector of people have been furloughed from the restaurant industry to the arts to even just traditional businesses. Um, and so they're sitting in this area of insert, uh, uncertainty right now. For the clients that you work with who are in that area, how have you been advising them to look at the market and to look at their current situation? Uh, well, the first thing that I've been telling them is, that sucks and I'm so sorry. It just, it's awful. And there's no way around that. And whatever we do, it's not going to be perfect. It might not even be good, but we're going to do the best that we can. Uh, so the, after that, we, we talk about money. Okay. Uh, so the first thing is we want to look and see the emergency savings. Uh, you know, I joke sometimes with clients that other than the actual planning and those like five or so meetings where we're really getting into it, I'm so boring that like you'll never want to talk to me. Go, oh, should I do something? And I'm like, nope, just keep saving. Just hold, hold that path. Yeah. You know, I've said it too. I'm so boring. Um, but this is, this is exactly why you need to have that savings account. You need to have the emergency fund. Mm -hmm. So I'm really hoping that when I'm working with people that they have that at least three months worth. Mm -hmm. um, so if they do, then obviously things get a little easier, but there's still work to be done. Mm -hmm. um, if they don't, things get a little more critical. Now I can't create income. That's just unless people's investment accounts are, are big enough. One of the first things to do is to go through your budget. And I think everyone should be doing this now. Um, unless you have absolutely no concerns about money in the world, uh, just go through your budget and see what things are luxuries. See what things are luxuries that you just don't need right now. I was talking to someone today who she has a website for her business and she was looking at the package that she had and realized that she didn't need a website that was more than one page because mm -hmm. no one really clicked through. She's got an Instagram. She's got everything else. So she just lowered that and is saving money. She went to free versions of certain things. Mm -hmm. She was like, I'm not really losing any value 
because nobody really cares. Yeah. Um, a lot of what we spend money on is about ego um, or extra convenience. Like mm -hmm. I pay for Hulu that doesn't have commercials. Mm -hmm. That that's such an indulgence. Like let's be honest, it's such an indulgence. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of things like that. You know, go on to, go on to iTunes, see what you're paying for in subscriptions. I guarantee there's stuff that you don't even know you're paying for. I did this uh, like a year ago and realized I was paying for HBO on both the Apple platform and the Amazon Prime platform. <laughs> How? I don't know, but I just saved myself $360 a year. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. Just see where your money is go has been going mm -hmm. and start to make priorities. Um, you can sign back up for them when the money starts pouring in again. Mm -hmm. But remember, especially right now, each dollar that goes out can only go out once. It can't be spent twice. So if whatever is going out, say it is going out for HBO Go, that's money that's not going towards groceries or rent. Mm -hmm. So we really have to look at priorities. And I think that's going on around the world, whether people have income or not. Um, for people who are looking at taking from investments, there is uh, a hierarchy of where you want to take from. Okay. Although there has been a nice little shift in the, the recent uh, bill, uh, the relief bill. Mm -hmm. So the first place you want to go to, like I said, is savings. Uh, the next place I would go to is cash value of life insurance. Mm. Because you're not taking any money out of the market. You're not ruining your chance of recouping. And you can keep it out as long as you want. Uh, because of the way it works, there's still some growth actually in the account. I'm not going to go into the details too much. Um, but that would be the second place that I would pull from. Okay. Third would be a taxable investment, so non-qualified investment. Um, there are no penalties on that. And as far as taxes, uh, there'll be a combination of ordinary and capital gains so there'll be some tax benefits to that and the market's down so there'll be less taxes than usual mm -hmm. not ideal because you're locking in losses so i would take what you need um kind of dollar cost average out so if you even if you say oh i'm gonna need this for the next three months don't take out fifteen thousand dollars now take out a thousand this week take out a thousand next week whatever it is so that ideally you can be taking it out when the market bumps up for a day or so mm -hmm. um, the next place i would go would be a roth ira because uh, there are no taxes due on that um, and if you take out what you put in there's no penalty okay however in the bill you can now take money out of the out of your retirement accounts without paying the 10% penalty 
up to a certain amount, I believe it's 100,000, and then you have three years to spread out paying the taxes on that money. Hmm. Now, don't quote me on the exact pieces of that. You wanna go read the bill and you wanna go talk to an accountant. Uh, but those, that's the, the generic way that, that it works, okay. which is wonderful because uh, without that, you'd have to pay taxes and a penalty. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there is that, um, that opportunity is really huge. I know it exists. It's just the details that you want to check. check sure. Here. Yeah. So we've covered a bit uh, for the people who, you know, who, who are um, in a financial, let's say, freeze right now and, and are re- looking at their finances. And you've talked a little bit in the beginning about people who want to get involved in the market and potentially things they can look at. But what about the, let's say, like the in-between where, um, you know, the the situation maybe is not affecting them as greatly as others, but they're watching their 401k drop and they're trying to think of ways that maybe to rebalance it or, or maybe to leave it alone. Um, and I know you've you kind of alluded to this in the beginning of just like when in doubt, you tell people to leave it alone. But it is, is there any circumstances where, let's say, somebody in the middle should be looking at their, let's say, their, their 401k or another investment account to to potentially rebalance right now, or is it better just to leave things alone and then re uh, relook at it later on? Uh, I do tend to stick with um, leave it alone if you did the work at the beginning. With 401ks, though, most people don't do the work at the beginning. Most people don't do the work in the middle. Mm. Um, it's more of that sounds good, or this person told me this, or uh, this is what it automatically put me into. Mm-hmm. Um, so even and even if people do uh, some of the work, if you are, I'd say under fifty, mm-hmm. probably even uh, edge older these days. But if you're under fifty that's an account that you know you're not touching until you're at least 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the required minimum distribution age has now been pushed up to 72 and a half or 72 okay. from 70 and a half. So you're not even required to touch the money until you're 72. So if you do want to take risk, it's a great place to do it. There won't be any tax consequences when you rebalance or go into other uh, other funds. Mm-hmm. So I do I do tend to say when we're looking at someone's overall portfolio that that's where I like to focus risk a lot of the time. So if someone so I've been using eighty twenty as an example. So if someone's overall risk tolerance is an eighty twenty, yeah. That means their overall risk tolerance, not necessarily has to exist in that specific account. Okay. So you might look at the the bigger picture. Um, And in this situation, I don't think I'd argue with someone who wanted to rebalance their 401k, but we would have to have a discussion 
about it. And I'd suggest they take a risk tolerance questionnaire. Mm -hmm. Like when in doubt, answer 10 questions. See what comes up. Because you might think you're okay with it until you put money in and then it drops 40% the next day. Mm-hmm which is what I've been saying to clients, anyone who's putting money in, um, this is the salesperson in me, (laughs) just be sure you're ready for it to drop in value immediately. (laughs) Um, But that's that's the disclosure I think has to happen from anyone at this point. No one should be putting money into the market unless they understand it can drop in value. Like I said, today is four percent yeah now that doesn't necessarily seem a lot when we're just talking you know random numbers mm-hmm. but it is it's a lot to your portfolio so you really have to think about the consequences of your actions and how frequently you're looking at this account when you're going to access it um and just yeah it's really your comfort your comfort level and if you're being realistic because a lot of people won't be realistic go in change their uh change their investments to be more aggressive then the market's going to take another tumble Mm -hmm. they might freak out sell those and then buy back in at a lower cost and they just lost a lot of money Mm -hmm. so that goes back to why i say if it was a good plan at the beginning it's a good plan now. Um, this is a, a major change, so it's worth reevaluating. But generally speaking, why would you want a plan that falls apart when things go wrong? We have plans to prepare us for this. Right. Right. So, what I'm also interested in for the listeners here is, I mean, um, you know, it's. it's Obviously, again, this is your your full time job, and you spend a lot of time watching this and, and reading about this. Who are some people that you look to and read what they're writing about, or you know, or books or articles that that people should also, you know, potentially if they want to get a little more uh, financially savvy, um, they should also kind of look into these similar types of of organizations or articles or books. Um, actually, grabbing one that I'm reading now. Um, so right now I'm reading a book called Safety First Retirement Planning, mm-hmm. uh, an integrated approach for worry-free retirement. I know it sounds fascinating. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I, I think it is. <laughs> uh, by Wade Bow. P-F-A-U. Okay. Uh, so I've been enjoying that. Uh, now I'm, I'm going to tell you a secret. Mm-hmm. I don't read financial uh, fiction, mm. which is what I think most of the finance books are. Mm-hmm. They are, generally speaking, financial entertainers. Okay. Um, they're not licensed. They've done research for sure. Um, but if you read the book Pound Foolish 
which I never remember who it's by. Um, but this actually goes really in depth just uh, as to who these financial pundits are and their history and if they have qualifications. So um, an example of why I, I don't necessarily hold specific uh, uh, cases too seriously. There's a there's a Twitter and Instagram uh, handle that's uh, called the White Coat Investor. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure if he hears it, he'll roast me. Um, he's a doctor who gives financial advice. That's just that's it. Mm -hmm. He's just a doctor who gives financial advice and puts himself out as an expert. Hmm. No kidding. If you read a lot of the articles that people like to post and repost, mm -hmm. if you Google who the writer is, they don't do finance a lot of the time. Um, Dave Ramsey, mm -hmm. we can mathematically prove that his some of his advice is inaccurate. Oh. Norman doesn't take her own advice. <laughs> Neither does Dave Ramsey. Yeah. So I read um that's why I read books with like really interesting titles like Safety First Retirement Planning. Mm -hmm. Um there is also one called Cash is King. Mm -hmm. I wish I could remember who all of these are. I never remember authors. It's awful. Um, the Pirates of Manhattan actually would be a fascinating one right now. Um, it talks about it talks about whole life insurance okay. and how it's involved in high finance. Um, and the reason I say it, it would be specifically interesting right now is people are worried about the death toll and our life insurance company is going to be able to cover it. Mm -hmm. And then how that affects also these large companies and, and where their, their uh, tier one capital is hold, held. And a lot of that is in life insurance cash value. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting way. Again, a very, um, very specific read. Yeah. Uh, Rich Dad, Dad. It's based on like not true history that never happened to him. Uh, oh. So <laughs> you have killed all so of my of my dreams here. Well, not my dreams, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it doesn't make everything that's in them wrong by any means. And, you know, there's some of what Dave Ramsey says is definitely right. And some of what Susie Orman says, I imagine, must be correct. The problem that I have with a lot of these people is financial advising isn't their business. Mm -hmm. They don't benefit when people become financially well. Mm. Their jobs have people watch their TV shows and buy their books. So it's important 
especially with financial advice, really be clear on who it's coming from. Um, I love, 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 love that now financial advisors are required, all of them, uh, for certain licenses to be fiduciaries. Uh, I honestly, I always thought that I, I was, but apparently now legally. Uh, it just means that we have to act with our clients' best interests uh, put first, mm -hmm. being a fiduciary. Uh, those guys aren't fiduciaries. Yeah. So I, it's something to think about. It doesn't, yeah. like I said, it doesn't make it all bad by any means. Anything that makes you think about your money is as long as you don't take all of it as advice. You know, once you take all of what I'm saying now and today is advice. Mm -hmm. you know, not everyone fits into every category. Yeah, no, that's that, that's good to know. And it's, it's good to to separate the let's say the entertainers um, from from the actual financial fiduciaries who have their best clients uh, at mind. Um, so I know we could go on for a very long time about this, but um, what I like to do is kind of pause it for right now. Um, I will, so for the listeners, all of the books that Bailey mentioned, I will put them in the show notes and I will look up uh, the writers and give you links to Amazon. But in addition to this, Bailey, I know that you have started your own series um, that tackle a lot of these issues that we've talked about today, especially for people who are in the arts, who are trying to figure out what to do next. And, and so could you give more information about that? Absolutely. Uh, so we're we're doing a weekly web webinar Fridays at 4.30, so right after the market closes for the week, uh, where we go over what happened, insights, and then also talk about um, something that's happening either in the arts specifically or just how to deal with a specific uh, problem, I guess, that has popped up. So, this week, I have someone coming on to talk about budgeting specifically. So we're really going to dive in. And I have a budgeting tool that I will send to everyone after the webinar. And we're going to talk about how to put it together, talk about mindset, and um, how that is just a huge part of this. And then some money-saving tips from uh, a wonderful expert who knows how to stretch a dollar in ways it's never been stretched before. <laughs> uh, so if, if you do want to listen in, uh, you can like the Entertaining Finance Facebook page, um, which, yeah, I'm gonna have to find the, the exact address on that. <laughs> uh, or you can go to entertainingfinance.com and just uh, contact us and I'll add you to the mailing list. Okay, perfect. I, I will also put, show notes or put that link in the show notes um so besides that is there are there other ways that people can get a hold of you and um and find out more about what you're working on or is entertaining finance the best place to do that i do that or you could email me directly uh, bailey at entertainingfinance.com happy to hear from you i really really want to be a resource at this point I don't I don't think there's enough information out there and enough people out there 
uh, to help support through what's going on, mm -hmm. how that relates to them and what their feelings are. And I think the financial industry as a whole could use some training on how to talk to clients about their feelings. And I did theater, so I know feelings. <laughs> That's very true on, on, on both accounts. Uh, um, definitely. <laughs> so this, is, this has been an absolute pleasure, Bailey, as always. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, uh, especially in these, these busy circumstances. Um, so again, uh, I will put all of those links in the show notes so people can click right through and, and look at the books you were talking about or contact you and or join your weekly webinars, which I recommend that they do. Um, so again, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. This was great. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again and have a great day.